So, nice to be with you this evening. We're gathered on the auspicious occasion um, commemorating the appearance of Gujapad Bhakti Rakshakshudadev Goswami Maharaj, whom I had the good fortune to come under the guidance of uh, after the departure from the world of Om Vishnupadisi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, my initiating guru. And of course, all of us have benefited greatly from Pujapatri Dharmaraj's siksha, his instructions, guidance, and example directly, in my case, and indirectly, in your case, which is not to make it any less, right? So, uh, would be appropriate to say a few words about him, a remembrance of him, and um, we can follow that if there's time with some, or any questions. First, let me ask, what is your good name, sir? Brett. Brett, have we met before? Yes. I think so. I kind of remember you. Where was it? Uh, Adaria. At Adaria. You came to Adaria. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Now I can place you. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. Forgive me. Nice to see you again. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, a little, a few biographical notes, maybe in order to begin with. Pujapachita Marsh um, appeared in the world in the later part of the 19th century, I believe 1985. He was born, and born in a Brahmin family within what's called the Gautamandala, the circle, uh, geographically speaking, um, circle in which uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and a greater balance of his associates also appeared, which is... synonymous with the sacred geography of Vrindavan, Braj Mandal, where Krishna um, performs his pastimes. So, Gore and Krishna, Krishna and his um, extended sense of self as Sri Chaitanya, um, Navadvip and Vrindavan one and same or one and different, I guess you could say. So it's auspicious, obviously, to take birth in such an area that constitutes in this world a sense of sacred geography. Um, Of course, it's it's worth noting that while it would seem reasonable that if the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are in another Leela, associates of Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu being Krishna, then when the Vrindavan Leela manifests in this world as the Navadvip Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then all of the associates of Krishna from Braj would appear within that circle of sacred geography, go to Mandala. But, of course, not all of them did. And, and it, that is um, worth um, commenting about 
in brief, and it brings to mind the um, appearance, is it also of Virabhadra Goswami? Mm. Yes, who we talked about a little bit yesterday, based on Sumati's question. Um, but as I said, Virabhadra Goswami was very um, um, prominent in the lineage, and this is well, over 500 years ago, and its dissemination, um, which at the time was thought to have been to other countries, other kingdoms. India at that time was um, governed by different, different different kingdoms, so he took it far and wide within uh, the circle of, of Bharat in comparison to what had been done um, at the time, uh, up until that time. And <clears throat> the fact, this is my point, that some of the associates of Krishna who have a parallel identity in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela did not appear in the world or take birth within the Gauda Mandala, which, as I said, you might think they all should, but th- this was the reason because it was meant to, to be disseminated, because Krishna's Leela is Madhurya, sweet, and Gaur Leela is that same sweetness of love and intimacy uh, with an element of magnanimity that involves the, the wide uh, sharing of it, sharing of the private, private life of God, the private romantic secret life of the, of the Godhead. When God falls in love, Wow, what's that all about? <laughs> all right, so uh, to share that with everybody widely. Therefore, some of his associates appeared outside of the mandala, and, and then they served as, a, for example, a, a place where Virabhadra could take rest that night and continue his campaign and so forth. Um, so, Pujapatrita Marsh, at any rate, was born within the Gautamana. This is, of course, 500 some years, uh, almost, well, not quite 500 years, 475 years or something like that after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, appearance. Um, but nonetheless, it remains a sacred place. He was born in Hapaniya and, as um, I say, in a Brahmin family, but not in a Vaishnava family. Mm-hmm. There, there are, of course, different religious persuasions and sects in uh, in in uh, in the area, and there were at the time of Mahaprabhu as well. We find opposition to his sankirtan that was hosted so heartily and warmly by Shiva's Thakur as a nightly affair, and um, from the from the uh, telling of. Dabandastakur of such events we find, and Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, his telling of events, such events, we find there was some opposition and other religious and, and, and somewhat less than religious persuasions out and about. Um, so, how they were dealt with and so forth and at the time is uh, re- recorded there, but uh, um, at the Obviously, at the time of Sridhar appearance, this was, was still the case as it is today. And he was born in a family of a Brahmin family, which is a priestly, educated, intellectual class. But they were not of the 
by Vaishnava persuasion, which was not the most popular persuasion um, at, at the time. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a very theologically um, elevated um, um, tradition and, and, and perspective, and as such, unfortunately, it lends itself to being abused. Um, if your theology is not so high or elevated, for example, in terms of such extraordinary descriptions of the nature of transcendence and the aesthetic possibilities therein and so forth, a lot of traditions are pretty quiet about that. God has no face or no form or going to stop like I sometimes say, from going to, from the negative numbers of karmic repercussion to zero, and that zero has a positive connotation, and take a deep breath and rest there. In Vaishnavism, we, we, we go into positive numbers with reverential love of God for Vishnu, for example. Um, that's somewhat understandable. When, but when this transcendent domain that is overtly so of Baikuntha suddenly flips and becomes human-like and the Godhead is perfectly flawed, if you will, to use Gopal Nandini's uh, phrase that I liked. Um, it's, 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 uh, it can be confusing. It can be attractive and we can go there with our head and our thoughts and be kind of preoccupied with such information that you can regurgitate and spin other people's heads and so forth. But we've seen anyway that that lends itself to not always focusing on where one needs to focus in the immediate in order to go there. If your theology is not so developed in that regard, and it's concentrated on more basic but certainly important ideas, then that's your whole focus. <laughs> and that's good, probably. <laughs> so you can have high ideas but but not be focused on, the, on what you need to do to actually go there and think that you have, and through an intellectual kind of sleight of hand, Gaudiya Vaishnavism kind of lends itself to this. So the, this is a beautiful idea, Radha Prem, hmm? and um, and it's it's certainly uh, not Victorian, in with its in its uh, sensibilities, <laughs> um, and so uh, it uh, it lends itself to considerable considerable abuse, and, and and that was the to a large extent the state of affairs. If if at the time of Shudamarsh's appearance and thereabout, um, it said if a, if a, if a, if a, if a if a person, there's a system in 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 India, at least there was in this time, that um, beggars, religious beggars, in particular sadhus, would would be able to go to door to door and beg, and they had to be provided for, and uh, they didn't have to work because they were setting an example of monasticism and renunciation that was central to. Um, um, 
providing a, a viable spiritual course for people to take. They play a significant role. But if the beggar and the so-called saint turned out to be a godia upon the um, uh, householders inquiring who's at the door, oh, it's a godia, I'll give them some fruit and send them away. Hmm. Nothing to learn from them, it was thought. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was to give another example of what I'm talking about. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching was one that is one that transcends the Varnashram, which is a social religious system. Hmm? It's one thing to be a religious person, it's another thing to be a, a spiritual experiencer of the of, of the Atma, the nature of consciousness and so forth. Um, um, so the, the typical, so, well, the, the social religious system of the time that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching transcended and picked up where that um, left off, left some persons who could not find a place for themselves within the social religious system of respectability and because they could not they were not morally stout or ethically sound then they just said well I'm a follower of the Chaitanya <laughs> it's the fifth goal of life Prem so I have no caste but I've gone above the caste but you can't do that just by saying so right uh, you can't. Uh, so anyway, this nominal adherence to uh, Vaishnavism and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's prem. So there's so many misrepresentations and whatnot that the Gaudiya Vaishnavism itself did not have the greatest, uh, much esteem in the minds of pious Hindu intellectuals, um, educated people who were, as we were discussing a couple nights back or somewhere in these these, these days. Um, also in touch now with, with modernity, Western thoughts, the British influence, and so on and so forth. So, um, so Shidamars was anyway, born in a, in a Brahmin family, but they weren't, uh, it was not a, 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 a Vaishnav family. And perhaps a family that had more credibility within the social system, and therefore his young and early interest in Gaudiya Vaishnavism is something that didn't settle too well with his uh, with his parents. It was not thought to be really a viable path for pious and educated uh, traditionalists, uh, Hindus, and so forth, um, if there was one at all with the modern world calling and its yeah, invite to yeah, another perspective altogether. But he himself uh, was very uh, grounded in his religious sensibilities and from an early age uh, attracted to uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm. He, um, he tells a story himself he related a story, um, and it speaks 
and I'll try to relate it, it speaks something about his character. And um, that is that, for example, once a, a godbrother of mine asked, how is it that Sri Ramar spoke about such high things, but they didn't become misunderstood? Because another sadhu whom he had con- met was talking about high things theologically, and they were misunderstood. And so this kind of abuse that I was talking about earlier was happening. And I replied that, well, he didn't, he talked very, very um, uh, tastefully about higher things, like, you know, a little sour cream, you know, but not a whole bowl of it, you know, mm-hmm. all at once or something like that. Mm-hmm. A little bit, just, to, right? Um, <laughs> and, but, I said, but, but what he did do was talk about the lowest things in the highest way. Hmm? He had that kind of uh, ability. And so, this is a real uh, recipe or formula for success. So, the example that I cite that he um, relates, just kind of speaking off the cuff, off the record almost, um, on one occasion, um, while he was in school and getting his degree, bachelor's degree in philosophy, um, where, of course, from his, by the time I met him and heard from him, um, at that time he was he was he was uh, was fairly often that he would quote. Uh, uh, Berkeley's idealism or die to live of Hegel Hegel and his, his, his acquaintance with with European uh, philosophers and so forth that I found very attractive and making points of contact between their perspectives and the Gaudiya uh, uh, perspective some aspect of the teaching of Gaudiya Vaishnavism mm-hmm. uh, very attracted to I me mean, you can find that in my own uh, discourse and so forth. So, at any rate, in school, getting a philosophy degree in philosophy, bachelor's degree in philosophy, and one day, um, uh, in conversation with a with a schoolmate who had become a friend, who was also tra- what what he referred to as more of a traditionalist. So they were in the school. There were the two groups. There were the traditionalists who leaned towards the ancient Hindu. Uh, perspective and its value, and then those who are moving away from that towards the Western uh, perspective. So he was in the former group and had a classmate of that uh, um, persuasion. And on one occasion they were walking and and uh, the uh, schoolmate, the friend, made a reference to his father in the course of the conversation. father came up and he said, oh yes, that uh, like Chidamar said, what did your father say? And he said, oh yes, that gentleman, he replied like this. And Chidamar said, how can you, you refer to your father as that gentleman? Mm-hmm. You know, we had refer affectionately to our father, not some distant, distant person. Mm-hmm. So he took exception to such a way of speaking. And this is, of course, uh, the family unit was much more together than it is here in America. Uh, today, hmm. um, smaller world in a sense, and more affectionate, uh, if you will. Um, 
we've gotten bigger and further away from one another. <laughs> the bigger we get, with the so-called, the more room we need, the more distance we need from one another. So I'm not sure how big of an idea that is. Hmm? That uh, lacks affection. You don't even know who's living across the hall, and you don't want to. Hmm? Um, I was, uh, you know, I didn't have a chance to get to, to, to grow up in such a um, provincial but big, <laughs> as I'm saying, uh, in, environment. But it, I'm reminded of and have experience of it at Madhavan in our ashram in Costa Rica. Juan, as some of you have met, you know, works for us. He was born on the property that we we own, and um, it's like everybody in the whole village is Juan's brother or sister or uncle or in-law or somehow second cousin, third cousin. And, uh, you know, on a number of occasions I've, I've seen that, you know, that sensibility and talking to him and the people. It's, it's very, it's very endearing. It's, it's, it's uh, very different, right, than our advanced civilization up here in the north. So at any rate, to reply or to speak about, to refer, I should say, to one's father as that gentleman was something that Sridhar Marsh took exception to. But then this classmate um, replied, well, actually, it's a fact, because in this life I've been born from this mother and that mother, and the next life some other mother will come, some other father, and the next life, and the life before that. So it's just some gentleman, some passing. Why should I have such a close attachment to such a person who's just a passing thing it's just a passing event and person in my long life's trajectory ultimately uh, as it should be towards in the direction of of transcendence where I might find real intimacy with my source permanency in terms of relationship with relationships with others who have also um, uh, focused on their source, the same center, hmm? instead of the, all these off-center relationships that last for a while, but uh, but uh, but nothing of them, nothing, nothing lasts forever. So here, so when he heard this, hmm, it's a basic point of the philosophy. It's not something that he hadn't heard, you know, in, in philosophical terms in discourse or in texts and so forth. But when he heard it, this this friend speaking it like this, and then his explanation, it just took him like like never before, and he had an epiphany. And it was a turning, just that, that brief meeting and exchange was a huge turning point in his life that was so... Um, um, such a big event and it turned him so much that it ultimately left his friend in the dust in terms of the same spiritual pursuit that he was espousing. Hmm. So you can see in a, in, when a person responds like that hmm, at a certain time in their life and it, then it becomes a, a a pivotal point. He was young, um, so profoundly that they have some obviously past uh, to this that um, is now picking up where it was left off, 
in the in the in the previous life, which is how he depicted himself as a sadhana siddha, which is how Prabhupada also depicted himself as a sadhana siddha. Hmm. Well, he depicted himself as a sadhaka, not a siddha, but we would say a sadhana siddha. When we become perfect by spiritual practice, which if the Gita says one is not perfect in one's pursuit, they will take birth again in a family that uh, in a situation, circumstances that serve to facilitate their previous practice. <coughs> and at a certain point in that life, then that will pick up and and who they are and who they were really and what they were really about in the previous life will again become what they're about in this life. <clears throat> and so... Um, um, this was anyway. This was a, a powerful event, and it's an example of, as I say, how he would uh, take a small thing and make a big thing out of it. And he could talk about that kind of principle, which is very basic, very eloquently and tirelessly. And it would not tire you to hear him speak about it, and then to spice it all, if you will, with references to Hegel or Berkeley or this one or that one. And and show you the universality of it, the, the the relevance of it, regardless of what cultural context you might come from or want to think about it from, and so forth. So it's kind of like surrounding the point, right? And uh, and really bringing it home. Hmm? This was, uh, I would say, a, a, a characteristic of his. Um, but going on anyway, briefly with this, and there are other points like that also. Another. Instance that he related was when he 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 heard about the the efficacy of the Gayatri mantra, which is the original Vedic mantra. First comes Om, and then the Gayatri, and then so many Vedic mantras. Right, mm-hmm. so it's the product, prototype of all Vedic mantras. It's sometimes compared to the flute sound of of Krishna, uh, and so forth. Um, so he th- thought that this. Again, he was a traditionalist, so he thought this has power. So he sat and chanted it a thousand times or a thousand and eight times. Hmm. Sit and chant it. Hmm. And just listen to it. And he was able to focus his mind enough that at a certain point in his chanting, he had an, ex- an epiphany. Hmm. He didn't ex- relate to us exactly what it was, but he got something from the mantra. Later, of course, in his life, after he met his guru, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, which is in 1926, so he would have been 31 at that time, and received initiation from him, at that he would have received the Brahma Gayatri Mantra, amongst other mantras at that time. And and for whatever the epiphany, the theistic epiphany that he had earlier on, chanting it without having received it even from a guru, to receiving it, and chanting it regularly, and then becoming in his later years a person who imparted it to others. Hmm. And I also heard it from him. Um, in those days, or just prior to those days, he wrote a significant commentary about the Brahma Gayatri and its furthest reach, extending to, 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 the, to the service of, of Radha. It was a very um, extraordinary and substantial contribution to the whole Sampradaya. There, it's an interesting fact that uh, that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur 
used to impart the Gayatri Mantra at the time of initiation to his disciples, although it wasn't typically imparted in um, previously in the lineage. He had a certain uh, reason for it, part of his kind of preaching strategy, if you will. Um, but some persons complained hmm, that this was um, not part of the, the tradition and and that the Gayatri Mantra, you know, what does that have to do with Gaudiya Vaishnavism? And, and there was a strong uh, sector like that, even some today that make this kind of complaint, if you will, or um, but but it's so baseless. And of course, the the commentary of Shridharmarsh really like brings it home. But um, just to give you some other examples, uh, it said in the Guru Purana, and this is a very very central point to Gaudiya Vaishnavas, brought up by Jiva Goswami in his Tattva Sandarva, for example, and in Paramatma Sandarva as well. Gayatri Basya Rupa so about Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam is a is a commentary on the on the meaning of the Gayatri Mantra. So what does how does Gayatri Mantra not have something to do with with Gaudiya Vaishnavism when the when the Bhagavatam is the very it was the book as a book was the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the central hub as we see it around which all the sacred texts of the Hindus orbit and in relation to which in context will be properly understood. Um and Jiva Goswami, of course, in a more basic sense, points out in Tattva Sandarbha, I think Paramatma Sandarbha, the Gayatri Mantra is is theistic in nature and is veneration only of uh, Vishnu, Krishna, and not, as it's sometimes thought, of, the, of the, this god or that goddess or uh, in, in, in presiding over some aspect of nature, the wind, the sun. Uh, as maybe our, our our speech, our sight, and so forth, it's thought that the 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 the, the, the natural environment, in a macrocosmic sense, um, we are dependent upon in the microcosmic sense of our psychological and physiological being to function. We function with our senses. So to see, we need light. To hear, we need something. To speak, we need wind. Uh, and, and so forth. So there's a there's the regard for wind, the god of the wind, the god of the sun. This is not a very primitive idea as it might be thought, but it's a very sophisticated idea, although it's on a very low level compared to Vedanta um, um, and, uh, and, and Gaudiya Vaishnavism. But it's a very profound um, notion. Um, um, if you love someone, they'll tell you their secrets. So to approach nature in with a worshipful attitude, with gratitude and so forth, and recognize that without sun, I can't see. Therefore, my eyes, my sense of sight, one of my senses, is dependent on some feature of nature that I have no control over. And as such, my senses are not just mine to do whatever I want with, at least without showing regard to that whom they're dependent upon. Hmm? So living in this kind of a gracious way, if you will, is a beginning. And as I said, if you love someone, they'll tell you their secret. So if you worship nature in this way, she'll reveal the secret that she has a soul and it's you. Hmm. Besides matter and mind, there's consciousness. And you are consciousness. That's a big secret to find out, right? So, so, at any rate, the Gayatri Mantra is thought by some to be worship 
uh, of the sun god, for example. And so, what does this have to do with Gaudiya Vaishnavas? But so I'm pointing out, you might want to read the Sundarbhas if you're such a Gaudiya. <laughs> and uh, and then you know to take that to the nth degree, if you study the commentary of Pujapachita Marja and the Gayatri, you see, well, this is our mantra. It's not anybody else's mantra. That's for sure. Hmm? That said, of course, the highest reach that uh, Brahma Gayatri can take us is is all entirely what the Kam Gayatri is about. So, therefore, as I say, he employed that as a preaching strategy. It's not necessary for our progress, but there's nothing uh, that would preclude receiving it or um, imparting it, hmm? or make you outside of the circle of Gaudi Vaishnava. So anyway, he chanted, he had epiphany, later he received it, and it stayed with him hmm, for his whole life, and they gave an extraordinary commentary that is a real wealth for the whole uh, Sampradaya, regardless of which the whole tradition with Gaudi of which lineage within it you might uh, find yourself. Hmm. And there was a, that was not the only um, contribution of that nature. Here's a nice commentary in Rig Veda Mantra, Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Param Also, that's very uh, profound. And um, and his, um, of course, again with his biography, he joined in 1926. In 1930, he received the renounced order of life hmm, from Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, who's my grand Guru, Param Guru, and um, at that time um, he received the Sasanyas name by which we are referring to him uh, appropriately this evening. Uh, Sridhar Goswami Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar. Hmm? So the system of Bhakti Siddhanta was such with regard to giving the, the order of sannyas to. Uh, Initiating one into that uh, monastic order was that uh, he chose 108 names, sannyas names, and then uh, while imparting them and name to the disciple and naming them accordingly with one of them, he would um, add to the name bhakti, bhakti, and a two or three syllable word that some in some ways in his mind characterized that particular disciple. So Bhakti, Rakshak, Sridhar. Hmm? And um, the name Rakshak means protector. Hmm? And so Bhakti Siddhanta saw in Sridhar someone who could protect the teachings because of his ability to grasp them, hmm? which was quite remarkable. And when, he, when the Saraswati Thakur used to give lectures, then students would, would ask Sridhar what was he saying? What was the, can you break that down for us? And so forth. Once he said about him that, that with his desire to send an emissary to London, to England, right? They were pushing back on the British who were, you know, canvassing and with missionaries trying to convert the Hindu heathens. Um, and so forth. So he wanted to send missionaries, missionaries to London to convert the the, uh, <laughs> um, the British and so forth. And so his first chosen emissary was Sridhar Marsh because he said, I know he can never be converted. 
Hmm. So he saw him somehow as a protector of the of the teaching, who which which boy which he meant he had a a very good or even uncanny grasp on the tattva on the on the, the philosophical underpinnings. Indeed, he also referred to him on one occasion as Shastra Nipun, Sridhar. Hmm. Shastra means the sacred text, and Nipun means who has genius with regard to the sacred text, to not just repeat it, memorize it, but to understand it, put it together in a unique way that really conveys the point according to time and circumstance, and thus keeps it alive and well in an ongoing sense. So, like I say, to be able to cite a verse and say, and then, and and uh, Hegel said, you know, this, die to live. And it, so, you know, I put it all together like this. This is, uh, he was very much um, a, uh, if you will, uh, a scriptural genius, which is a, which is a term uh, that is uh, invoked by Rupa Goswami in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu with regard to his definition of one who was superlative with regard to their eligibility to tread the path of bhakti, Shastra Nipuna, Shapurda Shastra Nipun, Sridhar. And the name Sridhar, Sridhara, hmm? Sri means Radha, Dhara means who carries, who bears. So you carried Radha, Radha Bhav, hmm? love of Radha for Krishna, in his heart. Hmm? Um, but it also is a name. Sridhar that refers to a famous ancient commentator on the text Srimad Bhagavatam that's so central to our tradition. A commentator that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, himself um, regarded and a comment, commentator whom our, is prior to our tradition being formed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whom all of the principal founding um, teachers of our lineage who commented on the sacred text of the Bhagavatam referred to. And Sridhar says this, and Sridhar says this, and you know, then from there they would comment further. Hmm. So he, the Sridhar was thought to be a great um, um, bearer of the uh, uh, proper understanding of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm. There's a famous statement with that regard, in that regard, because at the, his time he, he was actually a member of the monistic uh, tradition of Shankar. In fact, he was a leading monk in Jagannath Puri, which is one of the four principal monasteries of the, the monist sector of Shankar. But he had a, a conversion towards uh, uh, theism, full-fledged theism of the Bhagavatam. He wrote a commentary and Amongst the Shankarites, they thought, what's this? What kind of commentary is this? But at the same time, they, they couldn't just dismiss it. So, as the story goes, they placed it before um, Shiva. Shiva, but what's his name there? Vishwanath, a form of Shiva in Benares, which is the real center of monism and learning and Gyan uh, and so forth. And we'll see what he says, because the Bhagavatam itself says, Vaishnavanamitashambhu, Shiva's 
must know the meaning of the Bhagavatam, <laughs> is the implication. And so it said a verse came out. I don't know who heard it, it was written down or what, but a verse came from the deity and it said, uh, Shiva said, I know the meaning of Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, Parikshit Maharaj, who inquired from Sugadev, may or knows the meaning. Hmm? Um, Sugadev knows uh, the meaning. Oh, the other verse. Yeah. I know the meaning. Sukadev knows the meaning. Vyas, who compiled it, may know the meaning, he may not, but Sridharmarj knows the meaning of, of Srimad Bhagavatam, which can't be understood. Well, I don't, that's another. That's two verses that are similar. And simply by intellectual study. Uh, yeah, but by the grace of Nishinga, and he knows the meaning. And so they had to back off. And so uh, a significant commentary that that kind of protected, if you will, the meaning of it from it being adulterated and distorted into a into a into a monistic, you know, less than theistic book when it really it's it's such a high, uh, theologically speaking, uh, text and sweet, charming one. So he was named by his guru, Bhakti Raksha Sridhar, and the two go together. I think Jiva Goswami himself says in the Sandarvas refers to Sridhar Maharaj as uh, Ek Rakshak, Rakshaka, something, the one who protected. Bhagavatam. So then, of course, um, moving forward, in, in doing so, we'll, we'll come back to this point briefly. Um, he, under the direction of Bhakti Siddhanta he widely uh, circulated throughout uh, India and um, uh, helped to open some of the 64 monasteries that were founded by. By his guru, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, um, in Godavari, hmm, there. Um, he was involved, famous place where Ramananda met with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and you have the conversation, Sambad, between Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is a central piece of, of Chaitanya Charitamrita, like the Bhagavad Gita is a central piece to Mahabharata. Hmm. And he liked this part of Chaitanya Charitamrita the most. This is his favorite part, he told us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's prominent there and in Madras, also in Kurukshetra and in Bombay. So in different places he was stationed at different times um, uh, for preaching. And um, he was always someone that even other sannyasis would call up to weigh in and, and, um, and give conclusions and so forth. And um, at the time... Then of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitakura's passing, then uh, he asked that the song of Narutam Thakur speaks about the highest ideal, sort of the prayojana, the attainment within our tradition, Shirupa Manjari Pada. He asked that that be sung. And um, uh, one of the devotees began to sing, who was known for Kirtan, Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami, a very sweet voice, but then he stopped and said, I don't want a sweet voice. I want the voice with realization. It wasn't really, it doesn't, it's not as, I won't get into that, I should comment about that. He wanted Sridhar Marsh, to, who wasn't known for a sweet voice, but for realization. Puri Marsh at that time 
became the Sikshita's guru disciple of Bhakti of Bhakti Raktikshidama, showing his own extraordinary uh, qualities hmm? and uh, in realization. Pujapach Bhakti Pramod Purigasali Maharaj Kijai. So Pujapachidamar sang Sri Rupamandri Pada and at the time then the other god brothers assembled, hmm? they thought, Oh, Guru Maharaj has given Sridhar Maharaj entrance into the ideal of, of Rupa Goswami in the service of Radharani and the Leela. And Sridhar Maharaj, in, re, in reflecting upon that, it's a famous story, said, but I was thinking he posted me at the gate as the protector. Hmm? And I'm not letting just anybody come in. <laughs> you got to take your shoes off at the door if you want want to get in. So he, he looked at himself in that way as, as a protector. And he was protective hmm, of these high ideals, as I said earlier, by speaking about them in a very, um, in a tasteful um, manner. Hmm? And in a, in a broader sense, that means to enter Facing them with tattva and some and some bhava and tattva and some lila and tattva and lila and tattva and lila no lila and tattva lila so get a big foundation right big foundation philosophical foundation so that these ideas that are very poetic and beautiful can actually be attained otherwise they sound beautiful and poetic but then we have to learn how to what to do how to practice which is not so palatable. We had to sacrifice our ego and so forth to go there. So, um, you know, his famous saying, die to live, that was like, he said, and we used to like that. And he chuckled one time and said, you like that. It sounds very poetic, but it's a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> you like it and you'll repeat it. Die to live. One of my gobblers put it on his license plate. Die to live. You might want to throw the keys of the car out, you know, <laughs> in the name of dying liver rather than, rather than put it on your license plate, right? So it's not just some poetry. It's, it's, there's, 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 there's more to it than that. Hmm? It's sweet sounding, but to digest it, that's, uh, that takes some, you have to work to get the appetite to be able to digest that, swallow it. Hmm? So he would keep coming back. He would invite you to, 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 you'd ask a question and then you'd wonder, huh, you know, he would, the way he would answer, where he would take it, you know, it was like, wasn't, the, the, the question wasn't so important. I mean, it, where it was, but he would answer, but, but where he would take you in the context of answering it was very, uh, very far, so to speak, and high, so very charming. And, um, Compelling, but but showing there and then casting a light here, where you are and where you have to go is always. He would always come back to that, so to speak, and and um, uh, so he was indeed uh, really um, lived up to his epithet, if you will, sannyas uh, title, as a protector of the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, that there would not be any kind of uh, within his his line, any distortion, if he had anything to do with it, any misrepresentation of it, around which he grew up with. Hmm? 
misrepresentation, as I said, and his family was not, they didn't have regard for the Godias because who are they, and so forth. So he was part of the work of Bhakti Vinod Thakur to turn that around and give a place, a dignified place to Gaudiya Vaishnavism that it, that it warranted hmm, in terms of its philosophical, theological insights and in terms of its uh, lineage that had produced, has produced so many luminaries, hmm, so many extraordinary um, representatives. Hmm. And with a quick reference to previous night's discussion, men and women alike, right? So, uh, <laughs> so we're very fortunate to have his association. He, um, obviously I came in touch with him in the, in the years that he had been um, already um, himself an initiating guru, um, uh, something that he was not very um, keen about doing himself, but was pushed from within to do. He uh, was more inclined to be a recluse and to study the scriptures and chant and pursue his internal life and and lament from the day of the departure of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur to the end of his life. Hmm at having lost his association because he had left left the world. And we could, this is how he felt he could should carry on his life. And that's how he was moved to do. And people, and very nice people, approached him to ask for initiation. But he, he, he <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Krishna, he did not, was not um, inclined. Hmm. At one point, however, he he had been uh, living in Calcutta in a room provided uh, f- uh, by uh, by by Om Parisi Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada, my initiating guru, who, who who was close with him. They were close. They were brothers, god brothers. And so Prabhupada provided, uh, was a householder at the time, and he provided uh, an apartment for him to like base himself out of, so to speak. Um, so they were they were close. But at, at some point, at any rate, he he wanted to take up residence in Navadweep and itself, that 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 dam where he was born, but um, to take residence as there as a, as a um, as a sadhu as as a, as a um, Bhajananandi to do bhajan and pursue internal life as a, as, a, as a contemplative. And so he went within that circle to Ek Chakra, which is the birthplace of Nityananda Prabhu, who, who presides over the Dhams, right? Baladev, Mahasankarshan, Mahavishnu. These are all expansions of Balaram and Nityananda Prabhu, the Balaram of, uh, from Krishna Lila and Gaur Lila. So Good, he had a good theological mind. He went to Ek Chakra, the birthplace of Nityananda Prabhu, within that circle of sacred geography, and asked his permission to reside and to be a resident of the Dham. I mean, he didn't mean just, can I get a place to rent here? Can, can I actually live in the Dham? As Narutam Thakur says, 
oh, when will I get the mercy of Nityananda Prabhu, which will free me from samsara and then Vishaya Chadiya. Give me access, give, make me qualify to be a real resident of the Dham. It's a spiritual place, you've got to be spiritual to live there. Krishna Das Kaviras Goswami, as you know, was blessed by Nityananda Prabhu to go and live in Vrindavan. So he wisely he had real, I want to say, um, Sukritivan, Sumedasa, kind of theistic intelligence informed and, 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 and developed by lifetimes of spiritual spiritual practice accumulated. So he asked Nityananda for permission to live. He meant to live, to be a resident of the Dham. Let me in. And he left his shoes at the door as a beggar. Let me in. And Nityananda Prabhu in his heart replied to him. He said, huh, he's a funny guy. He said, you ask me for my mercy, but you do not give your mercy to anyone. Meaning, I know people are coming and asking for initiation from you, but you're not giving. Hmm. But you ask me for you. And Nityananda Prabhu, of course, initiated widely, and this is, you know, that's his dispensation is such very wide dispensation. Hmm. And so, Shiramaj reasoned with him that, okay, he reasoned, I got permission if I don't refuse. But that doesn't mean I have to run everywhere chasing after people to be in there. If they come to me, I won't refuse them. But I'm not going to run here, there, and everywhere to chase after people and try to catch them and initiate them. If they have enough thirst and they come, then I'll fill their cup. Something like that. So that was his. He worked it out with Nityananda when he got permission to have his residence there. Keshav Maharaj, his god brother, who gave sannyasa. To, our, to Prabhupada, helped him to get to that place, which is next to his. And um, even there were some struggles with that, and Keshav Maharaj was a little heavy, so he was a good, good person to have on your side and very much um, um, played a role in that. So the Judah Marsh could have a hut on some property in, um, what is the dweep? Not good room. Chetan is Saraswat Mat. Kola Dweep. after the boar. Kola Dweep. the place where it's Aparad Bhajan, where you can get freed from easily from Aparads. You got a place there along the bank of the Ganges. I stayed there for one month. It was no one there, and I every day I'd swim across the Ganges and back, swim across the Ganges and back, and then hear from him and do bhajan. It was a very nice time there. One of my extended extended visits. I was the only Westerner. It was a, it was an off season time. I went particularly for that reason. But a very beautiful setting. By that time, a, a temple had been erected and some guest facilities, and that um, some some of that as a result of Prabhupada asking his disciples at the time of his own departure to form a fund and from that fund to give money to complete the, the, um, the temple of Sridhar Marsh, who lived there 
um, austerely. And he had a couple disciples, Govinda Maharaj being his most prominent disciple who became a successor who told me that sometimes we did not have enough rice to go around. It was whatever came by, by God's arrangement. And he said, and I thought of leaving so many times, but I would go and ask the trees for permission, and none of them would give me permission, so I stayed. It was austere. It was said that when the godbrothers of Sridhar Marsh would come to visit him to ask some question or something, they would pay their obeisances full of dandavats on the road outside before coming in the moth. They had a lot of respect for him. Famous godbrother about whom Babru Das wrote a biographical sketch, Kinshina Krishnadas Babaji, was famous for his kirtan, was very fond of Sridhar Marsh. Very fond, and um, he used to go to the birthplace Hapaniya of Shri Maharaj and worship that place. Actually, so on one occasion, it's actually he was at the Chaitanya Saraswati Mat Shri Maharaj's Mat at the time when Prabhupada in India, early on with some of his disciples, said, "Today we will go. We will learn how to do the Guru Puja," and took him to Shri Maharaj's Mat because it was that day was the day of his appearance day, and they were celebrating it, which is this day today. So there was a festival, and the Kinchina Krishna Das Babaji was singing hmm, uh, like Sri Guru Parakshana Padma and Narutam Thakur, and then he said, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada. So our Prabhupada's disciples heard that for the first time, and then they asked if they could chant that too for him, because he was called Prabhupada. So that came from... Jai, don't give me your Jai Prabhupada. <laughs> you don't expect you to march. <laughs> but one of my gabas later on, <clears throat> after Prabhupada left, who so became Sudhir Goswami, who took, eventually took sannyas from Sridhar Maharaj, went to the Chaitanya Saraswat Math because he heard that Akanchana Krishnadas Babaji was there doing kirtan. So he was a kirtaneer himself, Sudhir. So he went there to record the kirtan of Akanchana Krishnadas Babaji. So, sure enough, he went, and there he was, and there he was doing kirtan. So he brought out his tape recorder, and Babaji Maharaj says, what is this? Hmm, that is not the teaching that you record me. The teaching is that you chant Hare Krishna, and he would laugh. Hmm. And so then he said, so he wouldn't let him record him. He said, but, but if you want to record something, come with me. Hmm. And then he took him upstairs on the veranda where Sri was sitting and said, whatever he says, record that. Hmm. Make a recording of that. Interestingly enough, in later years, hmm, um, Sudhir became the disciple of Prabhupada, who, one of the prominent disciples who took shelter of Sridhar Maharaj, as I did uh, a couple of years later, um, early on, and began recording all of his lectures. And majority, if not well, the vast majority of all of his books in print come from those those recorded lectures that he himself, Sudhir, organized the transcribing of, the editing of, uh, the layout, the design, distribution of. Is that your Krishna? Yeah. Sudhir Goswami, <laughs> So, Kenshin Krishna Das Babaji, Maharaj, Kejai. So, um, um, 
so he lived there, um, and um, and he was again famous amongst his scholar brothers. There were some things that uh, other things that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said also about his composition, which um, he composed in Sanskrit, and um, um, he has some very um, a profound works, prayers, and uh, the beautiful Premadama Deva Stotram. It's, it's right out of the uh, era of Mahaprabhu himself. It should be widely circulated. So many Premadama Deva Meva, Nomi Bhauda Sundaram, so many prayers taking you through the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Every day in the Mahat there, they chant ten of those verses. And then the next day, ten, ten, and they start over again, ten, ten, ten. It's always being chanted in the Mahat, Premadama Deva Stotram. And then there's a famous, um, there are many, but uh, one of the more famous poems describing and really capturing the essence of who Bhaktivinoda Thakur was. Hmm? And I say that because Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, Sridhar has captured Bhaktivinoda in his prayers. He's present there in that prayer. Hmm? And uh, another example is, of course, his um, Prabhupada, Stava, Padas, Stava, Padmaka, Sandhistavaka, in which he glorifies Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And Pranamami Sada Prabhupada Padam. So, just to give you some idea of how he was regarded and appreciated amongst his peers, which is significant, right? That song that he wrote about Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is sung in every every branch of the mission representing Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Um, they sometimes referred to loosely as, as, as Godiamat. And in many of them it's carved on the walls. Hmm. Hmm. And in Vrindavan, in Rupa Goswami's place of Bhajan, Terakadamba. Mm-hmm. Somehow it's some of the verses there are on the wall there. And he liked that place. And when, when Bhaktisiddhanta Sarji Thakur, after the Brajmandal Parakramata, they did the walking around the whole Brajmandal. It takes about a month. They would walk, talk about the Leelas of Krishna and do Kirtan in the next camp. The next night they would go around. So afterwards he asked Sridhar what was your favorite place? Sridhar said, I liked uh, Terakadamba. Mm-hmm. The next year, or a couple of years later, or something, um, and Jyotimar said, Bhaktisiddhanta said, so today we will go to your place. <laughs> and and Jyotimar and said, which place? Terkadama, the near place. So it would appear that he gave him some place at Terkadamba in Krishna Lila, in his glorification of Jyotimar, of, of, of his guru Bhaktisiddhanta, is, is written on the walls there. Hmm? And so, and Prabhupada told my god brother Koyananda Marsh, who was the president of the Vrindavan Krishna Balaram Mandir for a couple of years. So during that um, period, he told him, this song should be sung in, in all of my temples every day, all over the world. It's one of those things that didn't come to pass, didn't get passed down enough or happen, whatnot. Um, but um, that's how he felt about it. So... 
that's very, as I say, significant that um, that you would say something about your guru, and all of your peers would think, "Wow, that's significant. That's captured him there. We, that should be repeated. That should be sung every day." Hmm? So, very significant uh, he was, prominent person in the uh, mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and very dear to my Guru Maharaj also. As I said, they lived together for six years, Prabhupada being the host. They wrote their Bhagavad Gita's together at the same time. Prabhupada said about him to Achyutananda Maharaj, who was one of his um, sannyasi disciples who was in India when Prabhupada was in the Americas, and he was feeling the need for some association. And Prabhupada wrote to him and said that uh, you can go to my, for, for association, and Siksha teaching instruction, you can go to my godbrother, Vyashita Marsh of Nabadweep, so, uh, whom I accept as my Siksha Guru, what to speak of how you can benefit from his association. So that was the first, I think, we heard of him, that he was introduced into ISKCON society. And there are a number of other occasions in which Prabhupada said very flattering things about him, including inviting him to the Mayapur, where Prabhupada was opening a temple at the time of the foundation, digging the foundation where the Anantasage deity is placed in the ground. And uh, so he asked Sri Marsh to come and preside over that. And then um, he had him upstairs, greeted him in his gumsha, Sri Marsh said, we were so intimate. And then and with a towel, Prabhupada greeted him. They were close. And uh, uh, informal. They took lunch. There's some photos of that. Govinda Marsh was there as well. After the lunch, some function was supposed to be performed, which Sridhar Marsh would have would would have had the role in Prabhupada's mind, which he had invited him for. But instead of having him there, he invited him to take rest in his bed after lunch. It's, it's very typical in the, to take a little rest after lunch in, in these uh, circles. So later, Govinda Maharaj, who was the disciple and became the successor of Sridhar Maharaj, asked Prabhupada, you know, you invited our Guru Maharaj here to preside over that, but then you had him take rest in your bed and you presided over it. How am I to understand that? And Prabhupada said, oh, just by his willingness to come here, then his function has been performed. Hmm? I didn't want to cause him any labor or anything like that, so I, I did the labor. Hmm? He willed it, hmm? and I did the labor. Hmm? And Prabhupada you know, did some, some, some function like that. Guru so, was quite startled and impressed and endeared by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then on another occasion, um, early on uh, in the 70s, maybe 73, um, he also, uh, Sridhar Maharaj was invited and he visited and he sat, Prabhupada sat him on his own seat in the, in the temple, his Vyasasan reserved for the Guru and said, he, he's, he's, he's a pure devotee, we've, we've known one another for a long time, so on and so forth. <clears throat> There's some recordings also of Prabhupada visiting him at his mouth and even asking him questions about philosophy and and uh, sharing intimately. So he had a very affectionate uh, role. He was his own person at the same time, Prabhupada, obviously, but he had great regard for Sridhar Maharaj. It was Sridhar Maharaj whom he wrote uh, uh, from the East Coast when he had his first heart attack and um, was hospitalized for a brief time. 
brief period. What do you think I should do? You know, here, I, this is my condition. I could die here, or should I go back to Vrindavan, the holy place, and pass from the world there? So he, he said, I have no one to consult with. What, what could we tell him? You know, <laughs> we were just kids. So Sridharmarsh then, through Govindamarsh, wrote back, said, what you're doing is more important. That is, that is Vrindavan, wherever you go, you should... My advice would be to stay there. So he took that advice, and that fueled another leg or two of his preaching that some of us um, would not have um, benefited from had he gone back to Vrindavan. So the indebtedness that we have to Srinu Maharaj is, is, is considerable if you really play out the history. Um, Prabhupada told Hans Duda, who told me, that that, that everything I know, everything I know, I learned from Sridhar Marsh. That means he did not learn directly the philosophy from Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, whom he only met about a dozen times over the course of a number of years, personally, because he had a family, he was living outside. But after the passing of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Sridhar Marsh, he hosted him in his next door. He had He owned two apartments. And so they were very close. So he learned for six years from him so much. He, that this is how he personally felt. Everything I learned, I learned from Sridhar Marsh. Hmm. So it, it's yeah, like I say, and, and Sridhar Marsh would be the last person to take any credit for anything uh, that Prabhupada did in the extraordinary campaign that he conducted, which he had uh, such regard for. It was so um, touching. And dear to him that he was he was so proud of that, hmm. and he remarked too when Prabhupada came back from America and he had this conquest and he was successful and he and he met him, he felt he's very empowered now, and he thought about it. Where did that? When did that happen? How did that? And he traced it out and connected it to Prabhupada's poem that he wrote that somehow he had a copy of, hmm. and he all figured he was figuring these kinds of things out. Nityananda Prabhu invested his shakti in him at that time on the boat, and he, and now he was in power. He came back with these big eyes, and so. But at the same time, he was unassuming. Hmm? He had become empowered to do something very extraordinary, beyond his pure self. And because he was pure, he was so empowered. But but at the same time, he 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 he, he was a very um, just like he was. With Sridhar Marsh, but in, but uh, intimate and so forth. So Sridhar Marsh was, you know, very astute. He would take no, notes of these things and and then things that we wouldn't be privy to or know about. Then he shared these things with us about Prabhupada. So that, for me, at a time like that, to hear these kind of assessments of Prabhupada and thoughts about him, I mean, you you felt that as a disciple of Prabhupada, you, there's no place you could possibly have been that'd be better off <laughs> and be closer. Uh, to Prabhupada is ironic because to be close to him, we had to. I had to leave the formal institution of Prabhupada that had become um, affected by personal interest and uh, and who's going to stay in what room and who's got the biggest seat, kind of a thing. You know, to be honest with you, and uh, so I, I didn't want anything to do with that, so I left. And and there was Shridharmarsh in his tattered cloth and uh, un. Uh, Unkempt, kind of, you know, he was like quite old at the time, and 90% uh, blind, and 
And so, but, but he could see right through your heart, right? And very comforting was his association, very soothing. Uh, over there, they were so much misrepresenting Prabhupada while claiming, you know, um, um, to be the uh, bearers of his, his legacy, and uh, it just didn't add up to me. Empty, empty cheerleading is what I called it. So, but to hear from Shudamar is just a, f- a few words, and then to feel, and to really feel how he felt for the movement that they were conducting, how he, re- who they felt, which they felt so strong about. <laughs> you listen to him, huh? you can feel, you can understand what it, what it means to feel strongly about that. Hmm? And just to give an example, when two of those leaders of ISKCON, hmm, who had uh, 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 would not have anything to do with Shudamarsh because their own position would have been just made small and made small in his presence without him trying to be in control of anything, which was the last thing he you know wanted to do his whole life, or to speak of that at that time. When he heard that they had fallen from their standing in bhakti, and he heard it. Because there was some movement back and forth across the Ganga, across the, across the Ganges, and, uh, at that time, uh, those, were, those were traumatic times for the institution of Prabhupada after his departure, and there was a faith crisis in the leadership and so forth. And so, so when he'd heard it, hmm, just just maybe the same day, and uh, and just some rumor about it, and I happened to arrive there to visit again. At that time, and so he asked me. He said, "Is it true that so and so, Ramaswar and Bhagavan and Babananda, they have left? They kind of all pretty much within the same period you know, fell from their position." And I knew I could just just by the way he asked the question, I could feel how he felt about that. Hmm. So I wanted to soften the answer. Hmm. And I said, well, I don't know if they've really lost their faith entirely, you know, because his idea was that a soul has been connected, touched by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the agency of Prabhupada. This is this is like the most fortunate thing that could possibly happen in their sojourn in material existence, their trajectory, and if if they lose contact with that, the loss. Is immeasurable. If one, if one, one person, if they lose that, if he couldn't bear the thought. Or to speak of persons who had been prominent and and, and and close to Prabhupada, that was his feeling, and it was palpable. You know, you could just, I could just feel it in his presence. So I tried to soften it, hmm. but then he pressed, and and I had to say, you know, it's true. And then he wept at that time. And began to speak about Prabhupada and his mission, how proud they were. All Gaudias, all Hindus, all of India, what his campaign is. He went in a broad way and then he brought it very high and deep way to Vrindavan and the Vrindavan conception. And he has brought it, given this uh, like this rare thing out like water, you know. And uh, so meanwhile, in one of the temples where that one of those fellows was in charge, who had fallen from position? They were they were celebrating his demise, and I had these two things to look at. I thought I'm in the right place here. <laughs> I'm in the right place. See this real feeling for what Prabhupada was doing. What and understand what it meant. 
and they were they were kicking people out at the time, like myself. You know, go get out, and if you don't follow us, get out. You can't be in. And, you know, I had some. No one can <laughs> deny my close connection with with Prabhupada. You know, he himself made it clear to everybody that they kicked me out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was very, very, very unfortunate. Uh, Times he said they are thinking to keep the movement pure. We have to sacrifice some people. I think, as best I can understand, that's what they're thinking. But I am thinking they have gone mad with power. <laughs> that is my thinking. <laughs> they are all students, all of them still. So sometimes he would, you know, speak a little bit, little bit like that. He was always very, very gentle and and um, and um, a huge uh, compassionate. Vaishnava uh, heart. Hmm. He was very, very kind to me, uh, exceptionally kind to me. I mean, I came to him. I was, or had already taken sannyas from Prabhupada, and and uh, he liked me. He 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 liked my ability to listen. Hmm. Yeah, he was very, very kind. Hmm. So. Um, Yes, we are fortunate to uh, remember him on a day like today, and and to be blessed by in an ongoing way by his siksha, and, and uh, hopefully such uh, remembrances as we've related in brief with some feeling today will um, have a make um, a strong impression upon you further, so that you may. Keep him close to your heart. That would be good for you. Bhakti Rakshak Shiradev Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai. Gaudi Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Shishri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanande. Vanchakal Paturubhyascha. Kripa Sindhu Patitanam Bhavani Vaishnavi Paramonama. Anandakuti Vaishnavrinda Ki